Welcome to the Genuine Admissions Podcast, where we talk to members across our community about all things Loomis. My name is Amy Thompson. I'm the Dean of Enrollment, and I am also your podcast host. Hello. This is Amy Thompson, the Dean of Enrollment at Loomis Chafee, and welcome to Genuine Admissions. I am so excited today to be able to have a conversation with two of my colleagues from the English department. And I have a particular interest in this conversation, not just because at one point long ago, I taught English as well. So we're going to get it maybe down into the weeds with the Great Gatsby (laughs) or I don't know, Sir Gawain the Green Knight or something like that. We'll hold off on that. But as many of you know, listening to this podcast, I have three daughters who've graduated from Loomis Chafee. All of them are either in college or beyond college. And all three note, as many of our our alumni do, that one of the greatest strengths in their academic experience at Loomis was through this particular department. And so I'm really excited to have the conversation today with Steve and Jane uh, regarding English, all things English. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So maybe, Steve, we could start with you. You've been at Loomis for quite a few years. Yeah, and, I don't uh, like to talk about that all <laughs> that much. Um, uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, again, my name is Steve Colgate. This is actually my 22nd year at Loomis Chafee, and Woo, it only wow. feels like it's been about 20. Um, <laughs> I'm currently the head of the English department. Um, I also coach football, and I coach lacrosse. I live on campus with my wife and my two kids. Um, so this has been home for me for most of my adult life at this point. Awesome. And we're going to talk a little bit later maybe about why, right? Like what is it about Luma Shafee that has kept you here for 22 years um, in this type of community? So let's put a pin in that. And Jane, I'm going <laughs> to sure. ask you to talk a little bit about because, you know, you haven't been here quite as long. <laughs> not, um, not quite. Right. But um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so this is just my second year uh, teaching at Loomis Chafee. I made the move here with my family uh, last year from the college world. So mm-hmm. this has been an exciting chance to explore the independent school world has to offer. I teach in the English department. Uh, this year, I'm actually teaching in some way in all four grade levels, uh, freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. Um, and I also do some work with the theater department. Excellent. And uh, your spouse also teaches yes. at the school, right? Correct. Before we get into the nitty gritty, can each of you give some examples of, because uh, you, you just reminded me of that, mm-hmm. courses that you're currently teaching or uh, that you have taught in the past, just to give a little flavor mm-hmm. to the English department offerings? So right now I'm teaching the ninth grade year-long class as well as the college level version of the junior year-long class. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm teaching in writing workshop, which mm-hmm. meets once a cycle in tandem with the sophomore year curriculum that students take. And I'm sure we'll talk a little more about that yep. later. Yep. Um, and I'm teaching a senior elective that is currently college level uh, contemporary literature. Excellent. Looking to the winter, I'll be teaching literature in the environment and Mm. in the spring I'll be teaching Shakespeare. Wow. Okay. So you know a little bit about everything and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that term college level. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to have you talk about that a little bit further uh, as well in a a little bit. So what about you, Steve? You've been around for a while. You've probably taught. Have I mentioned that more than once? I apologize. (laughs) I I, I can remember. But you've taught a lot of different things. I have. I've taught 
everything in our curriculum except for juniors until this year. This is the first oh, year wow. that I'm teaching juniors like Jane. I'm teaching yeah. our CL junior course. Wow. Um, I'm also teaching two different senior electives. I have a course called Stories of War this mm -hmm. term and our CL contemporary lit course, which I'll be teaching in the winter and in the spring. One of the things I know we're going to talk a little bit about is this idea of you've both mentioned um, kind of this balance between year-long courses and then we also have elective mm -hmm. courses. And so I'd love to just jump right into uh, that concept to mm -hmm. start. So we've talked about this in other podcasts about how Loomis's curriculum is designed to give foundational skills mm -hmm. and foundational content, but then also enable students to go pretty deep into areas mm -hmm. of interest. And I'm wondering if you could mm -hmm. talk a little bit about maybe the philosophy behind that in your department and how that kind of plays out for students and being able, because when people are listening to this, they might be thinking like term elective, CL, mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, seminar, junior, like I'm not really understanding all of the terminology. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So there's a, two different kind of moments of differentiation that happen. So the first two years are about foundational skill building. And mm -hmm. there is a common experience that students have. Ninth and 10th grade are the same class that all the students take. At junior year, there is an opportunity for differentiation. And that's on the topic of whether a student goes college level or whether they take standard junior level English. And both have really phenomenal attributes. It's really about kind of where the student is in terms of their skill acquisition and also what they want to do with those skills, mm -hmm. how they want to challenge themselves. One of the things that really differentiates our college level courses is that those are the courses where we assume that students have built a sort of fundamental toolkit for literary analysis and we challenge them to take it a little bit deeper. We challenge them to synthesize text and th mm -hmm. synthesize ideas with a bit more agency and autonomy rather than scaffolding it in the way we might earlier on in their academic careers. We ask them to engage with critical questions, theoretical questions, potentially even sort of literary scholarship mm -hmm. that they might not encounter otherwise. Mm -hmm. And then when you get to the senior year, there is yet more differentiation. So whereas the, the first three years are all have arcs and a lot of range within them, by senior year, students actually do get to pick and specialize more like they will be able to do once they get to college right. the following year. So we have CL term, term courses on topics, as we've discussed, from mm -hmm. contemporary literature to Shakespeare to satire to creative writing. We also have standard level courses on... Um, what do we have? We have monsters, ghosts so and monsters. Ghosts and monsters. Mm. We have stories of war. We have race, roles, and religion. We mm -hmm. have voices of dissent. We have uh, banned books and mm -hmm. graphic novels. Those are some yeah. of our, our regular levels senior yeah. electives. Yeah. So we try to come up with a range of courses that students right. could take and have a little bit more autonomy in being able to specialize and go deep mm -hmm. into areas that they're interested in and maybe be exposed mm -hmm. to a range of different ways of thinking about literature. Right. So it's kind of like the culmination of, right. of the work we've they've done over the course of those four years and kind of preps them to really be ready for college level. Right. The scholarship. perfect kind of jumping off point. Mm -hmm. Steve, I, I remember when I first arrived here as a college counselor, uh, you know, you and I used to talk a little bit about the fact that, um, you know, we had this, this moniker of AP, right. Mm -hmm. And advanced placement. And we've, we've referenced a few times CL and college level. Yep. And I was in the college office when that shift was made from AP to college level. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about just 
how that has kind of played out within the English department. And I know that, I mean, when I hear you list some of the classes, and I know that was just a snippet. I mean, mm -hmm. that wasn't even everything, although it's, it's a lot. Um, there were far fewer options available, especially at that CL mm -hmm. level for students, even 10 years ago, when we were still doing kind of much more directed AP literature yep. types of classes. So would you mind talking a little bit about that shift? Yeah, absolutely. So as a school, we decided to move away from AP designated courses, largely because as an institution, we didn't want to constantly be chasing the college board and their feelings about what we should have in our courses. And so a lot of different fields decided, well, we, we want to take, say, AP physics. We want to study different things that aren't on the test and we're not serving our students well if they're going to be taking that test. One of the interesting things about that conversation was in the English department, we always actually felt that the AP tests for both language and for literature were actually really good tests mm -hmm. and that the core skills that those tests focused on dovetailed nicely with what we were teaching in the classroom. What we maybe didn't like as much was the narrowed focus of actual text choices okay. that those tests were aiming us towards. Yep. So we felt that by moving away from an AP-focused curriculum, we could branch out and study more literature and give our students an opportunity to read artists that maybe didn't quite write the kinds of things that the AP test was interested in testing on. So that gave us an opportunity, as you alluded to, to start to add a lot of these different electives that focused on different areas. There's really not much in the current AP curriculum in English about graphic novel, for example, mm -hmm. that a student who is taking graphic novel might have something that they could apply to an AP test. But we felt this is an area of literature that just was an opportunity for us to study things that weren't necessarily the focus of the college board. And one of the things that we found, even though we've moved away from AP designation, is that our students who take the AP tests still do really well yes. because the core skills that we're teaching them are core skills that the AP test is focusing on. So there really hasn't been much change in our students' scores overall on the AP test, but I do think that they're getting a much broader spread of literature to study. Both of those answers uh, very much uh, point to one of the I'd like to quote from the following key highlights mm -hmm. on the website, Jane and Steve. Mm -hmm. I don't know yes. if you know that they're on there, but yes. one of the key highlights is that we value a diverse curriculum mm -hmm. that goes directly to some of what you were talking about. But also these highlights of we are a writing-focused department. We prioritize student-driven discussion. And, and there's many other things as well, I know. Um, so I'm wondering if we could just step back to kind of the 30,000-foot level mm -hmm. and just talk a little bit more about goals. We talked about foundational skills, and we kind of talked into deeper, uh, moving into deeper literary analysis. We talked about diversity of texts. What are the ultimate goals of the department? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and when we talk about writing, when we talk about discussion, you know, whatever else those are, I mean, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about what you're what you're what you feel the, the purpose is what makes a successful English student at Loomis Chafee I'm actually going to flash back a little bit to the early stages of the pandemic because mm. when our academic world fell apart we really had to decide what we thought was important because so many things that we used to do we just couldn't do anymore if students are all over the world and we're talking through computer screens and what we ultimately decided was that students had to read good works they had to talk about those good works and they had to write well about those good works. And those became the kind of three guiding principles that helped us to navigate our way through the pandemic and thankfully out the other side. And those are what is reflected today in our classrooms that we ask students to read 
challenging works of literature, challenging in all kinds of ways. Could be the complexity of language on the page, could be the material contained within the words on the page. We ask them to talk to each other about what they think about it, what they feel, what the reading makes them consider about the world around them. And then we ask them to take their thoughts and their classmates' thoughts and put those onto the page in a kind of clear and presentable way for an audience outside of just themselves. Mm -hmm. And that is a radical oversimplification of what we right. really do. But those are kind of the core principles. It's what are you reading? How are you talking about what you're reading? And then how do you write about those thoughts that you've gathered with your classmates help? Okay, so knowing that, um, I'm going to put you on the spot a little sure. bit, Jane. Uh, when, we, when we're talking about that second principle, what, is a, what does an English class at Loomis Chafee look like um, in terms of the actual 75 minutes that they're sitting mm -hmm. in the classroom? Well, and if anyone listening has been on a tour, you'll know from having walked through Chafee Hall that a key feature of the English classroom is the Harkness table. Mm -hmm. So all of our English classes take place around a big oval table uh, that puts all of us, including the teacher, in conversation with one another. Students aren't sitting in rows facing us. We are talking to one another. That Harkness table is a reference to a whole pedagogy at the heart of which is this, the Harkness discussion. And that is a discussion in which I, as the teacher, step out. So I map what I see happening. I, I chart the discussion, but I don't say anything. And for half an hour, sometimes longer, the students are in charge of digging into the questions that I've asked them mm -hmm. to coming to conclusions that are more sophisticated, more insightful, more detailed than they came into the room with. And they have to do it together. They have to organize it together and they have to make sure that everybody contributes to get a good score on a Harkness discussion. It can't be the case that just a few people talk. Everyone needs to. And mm -hmm. so the students are really kind of not necessarily put on the spot, but they work together over the course of the year to develop those skills that allow them to deal in complex and sophisticated ways with text without me guiding the conversation. Mm -hmm. And that autonomy that they come to and, and kind of collaboration that that requires affect the classroom in all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I was thinking about was the way in which each individual class, even if we're talking about the same text in ninth grade or 10th grade, because the students are doing so much of the idea generation, individual sections might be talking about those texts in different ways and digging, them in, digging into them in different ways. And that might inform the kinds of essays that they're asked to write because it's really coming from the students and from the work they do together. Um, and so my role in the classroom is not to be the person that tells them the answers about the text because they can find that other places, right? What I am there to do is to help model for them a way of engaging, a way of doing the things that Steve is talking about and to help kind of hold them to the standard that they've asked to be held accountable by being Loomis Chafee students by right. pushing them right. uh, in order to do those things because they can. Right. And it's really kind of beautiful to see the ways in which they can work together to Excellent. generate ideas. So knowing that then, um, again, I'm going to put you a little on the spot here. Can you think of an example of a particularly robust discussion you might have had around a text um, where this was at play. Yeah, I've got an easy one because it just happened this morning. Um, <laughs> so my Stories of War class is reading a book called War by Sebastian Younger, which is a nonfiction text that's following a group of American soldiers in Afghanistan in 2007. And students had read a section of the text for today's class. And in that section of the text, there's a description of a, of a physical space that's in this valley in Afghanistan. And the students came in and I projected an actual picture of the place that's described in the text. And they had five minutes of free writing where they had just said, 
what, what do you see here? What do you not see here? What does this make you think about? And so they're looking at this image and they're writing in their notebooks. And when time was up, said, all right, talk to each other. What, what do you see or not see in this picture? And the students immediately kind of started bouncing ideas off of each other that all kind of started with, this is not at all what I pictured when I read this in the book. Ah. And they talked about why, well, this is, this seems run down. It seems sort of slapped together haphazard. This is not what I was expecting from an American military base. And we sort of worked from there to try to understand, okay, well, why does it look this way? What stereotypical expectations did you have going into this reading? And how is taking a look at this picture change what you thought of the words on the page? And the students sort of grappled with that for a while. And we then kind of went from there to some of the larger themes in the text. But it was a really nice example of here's this very specific thing. Write for a little bit about what you think about it and then share those ideas with your classmates, because no one individual student really had the answer based right. on what they were looking at. But together, they could kind of pull a little piece from here and a little piece from over there to bring themselves to a larger understanding of what they right. were looking at. And that brings up a, a really interesting thought as well regarding writing, right? Mm -hmm. And the role of writing. And of course, being foundational to the goals of the department and what we do here at Loomis across the curriculum, not just in the English department, but we also have a writing initiatives mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes there's, and you mentioned Jane earlier, mm -hmm. writing, writing workshop, you're mm -hmm. teaching in that. And so I'm wondering if we could talk a little bit about the role of writing. Mm -hmm. And of course, we were joking a little bit earlier about, and what keeps English teachers up at night these days, chat GPT and writing mm -hmm. and AI assisted writing. And I'd love to, I, that's, a, that's a big topic, but let's just start first with Loomis Chafee and our approach to teaching writing. I think we are about teaching writing as a process rather than a product. And that is something that will be incredibly relevant as we continue to grapple with AI, both in this conversation yeah. and in the months to come. Right. Um, so what we have really been focusing on recently in the ninth and 10th grade years is, is thinking about how ideas are structured on the page, moving from one paragraph to two to three to four to, uh, you know, five page paper. So we kind of are trying to scaffold over time for students how to structure in writing their observations and interpretations in a way that is readerly and clear. So we, we focus in the very beginning on idea generation and on kind of clear expression on the page as students move through freshman and sophomore year, we ask them to get deeper and deeper into their specificity and flair and with grammar, with style. Um, we ask them to build their ideas in more complexity and to articulate that complexity. By senior year, though, we're really asking them to craft an argument kind of from scratch. And so at that point, we've imagined that they have developed the tools they need in order to make a piece of writing their own, mm -hmm. to use their, their skills for analysis, to craft an argument that's not just polished on the page, but also reflects real thought and real kind of like independent, independent work. And then how does mm -hmm. writing workshop intersect with that? As a sidebar, writing workshops kind of in a transformation moment. Mm -hmm. So one thing, oh. so like, I feel like if I were talking about last year, I would yeah, say one yeah, thing yeah. Yeah. and talking about, so that's where it's like yeah, a little no, different. That's great. Right let's now. get into it. I mean, um, let's get into it. Yeah. So where writing workshop is now, it, writing workshop is a space that takes students from multiple different sections. So it's, they might, there might be 30 kids from various different classes. They come together and each week for a five, 
a five week cycle throughout each term. They dig into some aspect of the writing process in a more kind of like a, like a bird's eye view way. So it's not connected to one particular assignment. It's not connected to something that is like immediately task oriented. What we're trying to do is help walk them through aspects of the writing process from the very beginning of idea generation to dealing with quotes, to finding kind of their voice on the page, to revision and, and peer review, all those aspects of the writing process that we're asking them to master. We try to really kind of drill down into them and give them practice with it in a way that is separate from the kind of daily to-do list of their English class right. to try to help them think about writing as something that is not just toward a particular end or toward a particular right. assignment. Right, right. Or discipline. Or discipline, right? exactly. That, you know, writing right. skills you need across the curriculum. It's right. not just writing your English paper. I guess, um, in thinking about writing workshop over the years, Steve, have you seen some changes in this approach? And, and you know, and one of the questions that we get quite a bit in the admissions office is, that, is this question of why sophomore year? Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm wondering if you could address some of that. Writing Workshop, certainly we are at a kind of a pivotal moment this year in that we've made some significant changes to move away from what I guess you could loosely call kind of a mechanical writing instruction of what Writing Workshop was 10 or 15 years ago. There still is a significant amount of foundational writing level instruction in writing workshop. We do teach students how to write an effective thesis. We do teach students how to integrate evidence into an individual sentence. But what we're trying to do with writing workshop moving forward is to help students to recognize that what's on the page is in many ways a piece of themselves. Mm -hmm. That there is the grammatical component, which we do instruct of this is what a functional sentence should look like, but we are also imagining writing as a space to put a piece of yourself out into the world. Love that, hearing that as an admissions person <laughs> who reads so many essays, this yes. is exactly what we say all the time, right? We want to know you. Exactly. Right. So so the words on the page, the, the student who has written them or, or any person who has written them, they own those words. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to teach students that there's only one way to put themselves on the page, mm -hmm. that we want to give them mechanical tools so that what they write is precise and legible to an audience, but we want to make sure that they believe in what they're saying and that they understand the way that what they're saying is a reflection of their thoughts on the world around them. So the idea of not just kind of regurgitating what they've like memorized mm -hmm. in terms of like, you know, I need to have, have this particular grammatical rule and the way the sentence needs to be crafted has to be this particular way, but it's more, okay, I have all these tools in my toolbox mm -hmm. and how am I going to use them to demonstrate my voice on the page exactly. and my style? Exactly. Um, okay. So I think that's really helpful for our mm -hmm. audience because we do get questions about this and mm -hmm. some of it is kind of along the lines of, People sometimes are interested in Loomis because they've heard about the strength of our writing program. Yeah. It's been going on for so long. Mm -hmm. And and they kind of come in sometimes thinking like, well, I'm already really good at writing. And so right. what is writing workshop going to kind of teach me mm -hmm. further? And I think I would love to hear a little bit about, especially from your experience in teaching ninth graders, mm -hmm. you know, what is that? And what, and, you know, to get back to why mm -hmm. we do it sophomore year, yeah. you know, what does mm -hmm. that ninth grade year look like in terms of people coming in, what they're experiencing, and then kind of the next level of doing writing workshop in a sophomore mm -hmm. year. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think, you know, there's always a next, but uh, I think for us as yeah. teachers, you encounter a student and there is always a place to, to push them to the next thing. But one thing I've talked about with students, um, both here at Loomis, but also when I was teaching at the college level, is that writers always benefit from workshopping their writing and, and talking to other people. So if you talk to any professional writer, they're going to talk about the ways in which you know, 
reading their work out loud, mm -hmm. reading other people's work, receiving feedback that that that's what writing is. Right. And so I think that one thing we're doing with writing workshop is trying to model that. So right. first you could be the strong, for some of the strongest students we have, they might be the ones poised to get the most out of writing mm -hmm. workshop mm -hmm. because they will be able to really dig in mm -hmm. to some of the prompts that we have, the mm -hmm. exercises and, and see new things in their right. writing, ideally to kind yeah. of push themselves further. For students who aren't there, that doesn't mean they won't benefit, but that just means they will be moving on to kind of the next thing by noticing something different, by coming to a new level of self-reflection, but, th but that really benefits all of our students. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's true that in ninth grade, we see, a, we see a real range of students coming from different places yeah. and with different levels of interest. Right. But, but I think one of the things that I certainly try to do in teaching ninth, in teaching ninth grade is structure my assignments and respond to student feedback in ways that take the students as they are and, and really try to push them forward. So for my student, who's just an incredible writer and clearly loves it, the answer isn't to say, well, great, you're pretty much done here. Let's wait till you're ready for something new. No, I mean, the, the thing there to do is to really see what I can, how can my feedback help them grow as a writer right. while acknowledging the excellent work they do. And, and you, you had asked earlier about writing initiatives. I mean, those are the students that I really try to make sure are on the radar of our writing initiatives team, because mm -hmm. that is a separate office, but they do a little more with cultivating out of class writing with mm -hmm. helping connect students with oppor for opportunities to do creative writing um, in an outward facing way right. um, with student publications. So those are students that if I see those students who are really strong, I try to yeah. push them mm -hmm. toward new opportunities outside right. the class. But I think within the class, there is always something you can learn as a writer. And, and I think that's our job as teachers yeah. to try yeah. to support. And to your question sort of about why sophomore year, it's one of those great questions that's really difficult to answer. <laughs> um, I think that at its core, the freshman year curriculum, while they there are all kinds of different writing assignments given, the freshman year tends to lean a little bit more towards personal writing, not necessarily creative writing as such, but writing that is truly reflective on this is how I feel about this book. Sophomore year tends to lead a little bit more towards purely analytical writing as if there is such a thing, but that is more of a statement of this is what this work represents or what this is what this symbol within the text means. And so that's in many ways a pretty significant transition for a lot of students. Yeah. And so we're trying to position the writing workshop as in some ways a little bit of a bridge, bridge. between those mm -hmm. two different sure. things that a lot of the tools given in writing workshop are going to help the students as they're thinking about integrating evidence and constructing multi-phase arguments, that that's the stuff that they're going to certainly get into in the junior and the senior year. And so we're trying to position writing workshop as that kind of transitional moment for um, younger students as they're moving from their freshman year to their sophomore year. That makes sense. That makes mm -hmm. sense. And I like the way you frame that in terms of the, the personal versus the analytical, not mm -hmm. that it's ever a versus, right? right. But, but more of an emphasis or, and some of that is just, of course, where they are developmentally, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. also finding out, I mean, so many of our students come here because they want to find out more about who they are and the world mm -hmm. around them. Mm -hmm. And so as ninth graders, that's a lot of what's going on in their brains, mm -hmm already. Right. And yep. so tapping into that in ninth mm -hmm. grade in the class is, is awesome. So I know you probably don't want me to ask this question. <laughs> uh, you'd probably know it's coming and it, it is chat GPT. It is yeah. AI. You know, we're having some really, really exciting conversations here at Loomis. I was, I was super enthused by the, the faculty opening days mm -hmm. where we did kind of our, a bit of an open classroom experience where we could kind of go in and, and see how different faculty members are, are working with AI. 
AI rather than against it. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to hear a little bit from what the how the English department is kind of approaching this this new frontier. Sure. I mean, if you have any answers, just let us know. We'd be happy to take them. Um, no, I mean, one of the things that's kind of fascinating about AI, ChatGPT, other large language models like that is there a, those tools have the ability to kind of do all of the mechanical work very easily. We're, we have been very open as a department with our students in acknowledging that the, the ChatGPT can actually craft a perfect sentence from a mechanical perspective. But what ChatGPT thus far doesn't actually do very well is come up with any kind of an original idea. Mm-hmm. That it's very good at pulling things together and kind of making something that might seem pretty good on the surface. But what I've really tried to tell my students and what I know many of my colleagues in the department have tried to reinforce as well is that what we are really trying to teach students is the ability to discern whether or not the thing that ChatGPT spits out is any good or not. Right. That it's going to be grammatically correct. Like we can operate on that, that base level of assumption but is the argument any good? Does it really know anything about the great Gatsby or has it just regurgitated a bunch of things that it's found somewhere else in the ether? And what I've told my classes is that chat GPT is a really great tool, but you have to make sure that you're using the right tool for the job that you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to do something like I don't know, create a works cited list. ChatGPT is a great tool for that because it just knows all the forms and it'll spit it out for you. But ChatGPT is not a very good tool for trying to negotiate how you feel about a poem and what the poem makes you think about. I think it goes back to what you were saying about the per- the personal. And and, yeah. and it, to me, a big question that I grapple with with my students is what is writing for? Because, mm-hmm. you know, there have been literally hundred, maybe probably hundreds of thousands of papers written over time about the great Gatsby. So the fact that they're writing a paper about the great Gatsby, the point isn't necessarily the content of that specific paper. It's a, you know, I hope they're proud of it. I hope they love the argument they made, but the point is that they are making it, that it is their voice on the page, Mm -hmm. that it is the process and that, that they learn something through it. So that writing is a way that we learn how to think. And so if you just outsource that labor, then you're not learning the thing that you were supposed to learn because right. the content was never, ever the point. Right. And, and I will say, you know, it's early days and, and we'll, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's going to be an evolving conversation, but I have been so energized and excited by the ways in which those conversations have gone with my students at Loomis, because the thing I've, for all the worry we had over the summer, <laughs> my experience so far with my students at Loomis is, is that they get that because they're right. here to learn. I mean, they're mm-hmm. here to think. They're not right. here to be automatons or right. to take the easy way out. Like those aren't the right. students. And so I've just been so excited. It's, it, it makes me, it's made me appreciate my students and their work so much more because I see them doing it and I mm-hmm. see them grappling with ideas and, and pushing themselves and really trying to understand how they can write more clearly, how they can really like capture a complex argument. And I've always loved that about my students. I loved it last year too, but this year, oh, it's just like so beautiful to see. You all can't see Jane's face right now, but Steve and I can, and I can only say that she's about as enthusiastic about this topic as I, I am about Loomis. So. <laughs> no, it's awesome. So speaking of that, what texts... Do you really enjoy teaching or are looking forward to teaching this year? 
and why? Oh God, this would be a really long list. Yeah. <laughs> my, my students ask me all the time. I, I don't think I've ever had a section where some student hasn't said, what is your favorite book? Right. And the answer invariably is whatever, whatever book I'm reading right now. Right now. Yeah. Mostly because I don't want to have to sift through all of the books that I've read <laughs> to try to decide. But the, mm -hmm. I think that right now, my favorite book to teach, and maybe ever, is The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien, which I teach in my mm -hmm. Stories of War class, because it is a sort of master class on how to write a short story. I think that Tim O'Brien in that work sort of reached the pinnacle of what might be able to be accomplished. But it also is a remarkably nuanced collection of short stories that is in some ways intended to confuse the reader. And watching my students struggle through it and get very frustrated and be so close to throwing up their hands and just saying, <laughs> I can't do it. I've had it with this book. And then getting through that to the other side when they finally see all of the pieces kind of fall into place. I've taught this course, I've lost track, but it's probably more than 20 times. And every time I'm so like energized and invigorated by watching them have that moment of discovery at the end of the text because they've, they've just fought it for so long. And when they finally see what the collection is really doing, the, literally students' jaws drop. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe how he did this over this extended piece of writing. So and, that's a long answer. But that's no, that's where I am awesome right now. because it also, as you were talking, all I kept thinking about was, and this is what schools like this are all about, right? Mm -hmm. It's about working through the challenge. It, the, mm -hmm. It's not about, it's what you were saying earlier, yeah. Jane. It's the point is not necessarily the content, although they're learning mm -hmm. important content by reading those works. The point is the struggle mm -hmm. in terms of what they're yeah. learning about themselves as individuals and who they will be after, because mm -hmm. that struggle is something that they're going to encounter in many different ways in their lives, not just sitting in class. Right. Mm -hmm. So I love that story. Um, Jane, is there anything sure. in particular that you want to talk about? Yeah, I guess I'll start. I have one from ninth grade and then one from my CL seniors. So kind of bracketing. I mean, right now with ninth grade, we're just finishing up reading Persepolis, which is a graphic novel by Marjane Satrapi. Uh, that's it's a, well, it's a graphic memoir, actually recounting her childhood living through the Iranian revolution, 1979, 1980. And this is, we taught it last year, but this is the first time we've taught it as the very first text of the year. And it's been such a great, challenging, but generative text to go through with my students, because for most of them, they didn't know much about this place, about this time. There's a lot of kind of complex history and political and religious issues that they've had to sift through. And they've really risen to that challenge. It's been kind of a pleasure to explore an era that I also didn't know a ton about uh, with them and also to really help them. I think well, using the graphic novel first has been really interesting because it's allowed us to think about what close reading is through a medium that they're relatively comfortable with. Um, although in class, we've been digging much more into the nuances of things they probably took for granted about how meaning gets made in graphic forms. But Next, I think we'll be able to use those um, those skills that they've built about how to make inferences and to spot irony mm -hmm. on the page and then apply it to text throughout the year. And I'm really excited about that. And it's just been really fun. And the text is, itself is not necessarily fun, but it's really poignant and interesting. And it's been great to see the students mm -hmm. grapple with it. Um, and then another text, I mean, my, my own academic training is in Shakespeare. And so for me to get to teach CL Shakespeare in the spring is something I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it all year. Yeah. So I, um, it can be a little bit of a heavy lift because the senior slide is, is, it's not 
entirely a myth. Um, I understand it. Um, and so for those intrepid students who are in CL Shakespeare in the spring, it's just like pure love. It's the pure love. But also I think one of the things I bring to Shakespeare is uh, like, I want them to connect to the the joy that it is not about a slog. It is about performance and um, people wouldn't have read Shakespeare for 400 years if there wasn't something fun and interesting there. And so kind of my job is to tap them into it in a really critical and and thoughtful way. And so it's like, oh, I just can't wait. Oh, that's great. Oh, it makes me want to go back to school. Okay. Well, actually I work in a school. I'm so lucky. You're welcome Uh, to come. If you would like to visit, you you may come. I may. The last thing I'd like to just touch base on quickly before we kind of wrap up is it's a fairly large department. Mm -hmm. And when we're looking at kind of the, you know, the, we talk a lot here in admissions about the type of community that we're trying to build around our students, but we also build a community around our faculty as well. Mm -hmm. And so Steve, I'm wondering if you could just touch briefly on kind of when you are looking to bring in new faculty, you know, what are some of the things that you're looking for? I know it's not just Kind of yes, I'm I'm a I'm an expert on content. Um, there's other types of things that you're looking for when you're looking to hire new faculty. And the parents who are listening might be wondering a little bit about well, you know, how do we find you know how do they find such great teachers like Jane? Um, <laughs> so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Well, I got lucky and Jane kind of found me, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so we are a big 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 department. This year there are 22 members of the English department uh, faculty. When we are looking to add a new person to the department, the the primary thing that we are looking for is someone who is interested in working with high school students. They, if you're not interested in doing that, it, the rest of the job is not going right. to matter very much at all. Right. And so we're looking for p- folks that are like kind, outgoing people that understand the challenges of working with 14 to 19 year olds. Um, So that's kind of a number one thing on the list. After that, we're we're looking for people who are passionate about what they're doing and have the ability to convey that passion to others. That it's great to really enjoy literature and enjoy the writing process. But if you can't show others where that joy comes from, it's not really all that helpful. Right. And in many ways, sort of subject area expertise is probably like third or fourth on the list Mm -hmm. that it's really about, do you want to work with young people and do you understand the challenges that they face and what kinds of joy can you bring to their lives through your own passion for the subject matter? And we've been extraordinarily lucky to be able to find as many of people like that as we have. And I think also um, just thinking about even hearing you both talk about this kind of AI chat GPT mm-hmm. and the changes in the department over time, this idea of continued curiosity around, mm-hmm. you know, embracing new ideas mm-hmm. and doing new things and teaching new texts yeah. and mm-hmm. showing that joy further, not just continuing to do plug, play, repeat, same thing, mm-hmm. you know, over and over. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed watching as a faculty member myself in different departments, but also as a parent at Loomis is how that is brought in each and every experience that my kids had here in their mm-hmm. classes. There was never anyone who they felt sitting in that English class who taught them and they had many different teachers who didn't bring a, a passion and a joy mm-hmm. for what they were doing every single day. Okay. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm so passionate about the school. <laughs> yes. um, so to wrap up, speaking about being passionate about the mm-hmm. school. Um, so what, what, you know, what makes you excited about, about Loomis Chafee and, you know, why, why are you here and what do you love about the school? Well, you know, so I have a, a sort of funny experience. Uh, so this is only my second year teaching, but I, I lived here before. So right. my, my spouse taught here 
um, several years ago. I lived here while I taught elsewhere. We lived here when our twins were born and then we moved away. We were away for several years and we came back because we wanted to be in this community. We wanted to raise our kids in this community. It was a very intentional choice, not just to move to the prep school world or just something like that. We, we really specifically wanted to be at Loomis J because we missed the community. We missed the collegiality. We saw a tremendous possibility intellectually for us mm -hmm. as teachers. And so, so yeah, so I mean, I can say very yeah. specifically that we made a deliberate choice to be here and it's because of the people, the people. not just the, the colleagues, although that was huge for us, but yeah. also the students, you know, right. that, the, the students change every year they're on their journeys but the thing that is consistent now and that we saw when we lived here in the past is that there is a very they're they're driven they're friendly they care they're the kinds of students who are a pleasure to teach yeah and you know um i did a podcast i think it was last year with Sarah DeVoe, who directs the Kravitz Center for Excellence in Teaching, and uh, Dr. Fiona Mills, who also um, left and came back. Mm -hmm. And she talked about mm -hmm. that exact thing, that she was here at Loomis, she went elsewhere, and then she decided specifically to come back to Loomis because yeah. of the people. Mm -hmm. little different for you, Steve. It's been a little longer as this <laughs> yeah. theme that we keep coming back to. Well, for me, I, I both of my parents were teachers, and they both taught at a private school, so I was a fact brat. This is in my blood. But the <laughs> thing that has always struck me about Loomis is that this is a place that knows what it is mm -hmm. and it's filled with people who know who they are. Mm -hmm. That in the entire time I've worked here, it has never felt like Loomis is trying to be something else, trying to be a different school, trying to be multiple schools. That the people that work here care deeply about this place. They care deeply about the students and the students fall in love with being at Loomis. And that has resonated for me. I was 25 years old when I set foot on this campus for the first time, and I'm older than that now. <laughs> and in that time, I have yet to go to work, mm -hmm. that this is my life, this is what I do, and the people around make it easy to do that. Wow. Well, I don't know if we could end on a better note than that, uh, because, of course, I feel the same way. So and, and uh, kind of in between the two of you in terms of tenure, but uh, at Loomis Chafee and also taking the time out of your day to come and talk with our prospective families about the department and about why you do what you do and what's special about Loomis Chafee. But particularly, you know, I think you've also given families a lot of good things to think about as they're looking at schools for the future for their children and the types of things that they might want to be thinking about. So. Thank you so much for taking the time. Of we really course. appreciate it. Great conversation. <laughs> and on that note, this is Amy Thompson. Thank you for listening. <laughs>